listening to a podcast from GravityChurch.com, Lodi, California. God, we thank you that when we listen, that we can find you. And so, God, I pray that for the next few minutes, as we listen, we would hear you. And Lord, I thank you that where, where you are, you're not hiding from us, you're not playing games with us, you're not playing hide and seek. Lord, you're plain, you're easy to connect with, you want us to know you. So Lord, I just pray that as we open up our hearts, that Jesus, you would connect with us in all of the variety of ways that you do. And we pray this because of Jesus. Amen. In John chapter 17, there's a, there's a prayer that Jesus himself prayed. And this prayer that Jesus prayed is a very, very special one. Because this is one of the last prayers that we have in Scripture of Jesus praying before he leaves planet Earth. Now, we've talked before about this idea that when somebody's at the end of their life, things change for them. Things become more important in certain areas, and other areas become less important because they realize that their time is short, and they don't have a lot of time to spend, and they don't want to waste it. And so Jesus comes to the last days of his life, and he prays. And the prayer that he offers up to his Father in heaven is pretty lengthy. And if you've been here for the last few months, you know that we've gone through the whole thing and we've looked at it in detail. But the crux of his prayer is highlighted in one simple sentence. Jesus prays these words. He says, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. Jesus is talking to his Father in heaven, and he's talking to his Father in heaven about you and I. And he's looking ahead. Now, how many of you wish that you could look ahead of your life? I know I do. I wish I could look ahead a couple years. I wish I could see past the teenage years for my son. Thank you, God. I wish I could look down the road a little bit and see how this is all going to turn out. We can't do that. But Jesus was praying, looking ahead. He was saying, God, down the dimension of time, way down a thousand, two thousand, three thousand years, Jesus is praying, God, I want you to connect every single follower that knows Jesus, that calls themselves a Christian, connect them together and make them so united that it's just like you and I are, God. Jesus is talking to his father saying, we are so connected. We have such an intimate relationship. I want the same thing for all of my followers. It's a pretty powerful prayer. Now, you know, if you've ever read the story of God, if you've ever read the Bible, we've talked about it here quite a bit, that in the very beginning of the Bible, there's a story of a family, Adam and Eve. And we see the story of the very first family and how because of the choices that they made, to reject the love that God had shown to them and to listen to the lies of the devil, their family was fractured. Their family was torn apart. Their family was felt that the sting and the pain of loss. But when we go back to the very beginning, before that tragic event, we see a family that was connected to God and they were one with God. In the beginning, before all of this chaos happened that we live with today, 
The Bible says it started with a man and a woman and God, and they were one. That's where we started. That's what we lost in the beginning. We were one. And so Jesus comes on the scene, and Jesus comes to redeem that lost feeling that you and I have, that feeling that we lost something that we can never seem to get back. And so Jesus comes into planet Earth, and he begins to tell a message about a God that loves us, and a God that wants us, and a God that desires to have a relationship with us. And he uses pictures to tell this story. And one of the stories pictures that, that Jesus used over and over is the story picture of a family. Jesus would say, when you pray, call God in heaven your father. He would call his followers brothers. He would call his disciples and, dis- and, and relate to them in a familiar family type of a manner. It even says in scripture that Jesus came and all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus came to make us a family. Jesus came to bring us together as one. And it's a beautiful picture to see us as a family. Tonight, we're going to look at another picture. We're going to look at another way of seeing the message, the plan, and the story of God and how it relates to us. Tonight, we're going to look at the picture of us being called a body. A body. Now, in the book of of Corinthians, I want to share with you a scripture. First of all, I want you to see that. Isn't that a cool, gory picture? You can find some incredible stuff on the internet when you really want to. In 1 Corinthians, there's a letter that's written to a group of of, of believers, a group of Christ followers, a group of, of Christians. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, And verse number 12, he's talking about a body, and it says this. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. That's how it is with the body of Christ. That's us here tonight. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, How would you smell anything? Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem to be the weakest and the least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts that we think are less honorable are those that we clothe 
with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. Listen to this in verse 26. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. When one part suffers, we all suffer. When one part is honored, we're all honored. This picture that we read here is a picture of diversity. It's also a picture that shows many different necessary components, but they all form to make up one very important feature. When we look at this scripture, we, we see that it says very clearly that there's some things that we look at that we think are not very important, things that we think are not very glamorous, things that we dismiss and disregard. And the author here says, some of those things that you casually throw away, thinking they're not important, are actually the most necessary. They're actually the things that you can't live without. I want to ask you about this a little bit. <clears throat> most of us here are very, very blessed to live in the United States of America. And we're very fortunate to have the luxuries that we have. And so we're used to the lifestyle that we lead. We're used to things working the way that they work. If we were to go to a different part of the world, it's not as it is here. And there's poverty and there's things that, that you deal with. But let me ask you some questions about your car. How nice of a trip would it be if you drove your car down the street without a windshield? Has anybody here ever done that? Yeah, me too. Yeah. One time, crazy weekend, we rolled it and had to kick it out and get home somehow. Driving down the street, you stop at the stop sign and the guy's looking at us and we all stick our head out the front and wave at him. It was fun. True story. But you think about it. The windshield on a car is invisible. You don't even really see it. It's the least important part of a car when you're picking out a color, when you're shopping and you're looking at the list of accessories and you're thinking, wow, this is my dream car. Wait, 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 wait. It doesn't say it has a windshield. I'm not getting this car. I mean, it's not even on the list. I mean, it's taken for granted. It's like just easy come, easy go. You don't even, even you don't think about it because it's so critical and yet, we don't really look at it. What about your house? Have any of you guys ever had a weekend without plumbing? Have any of you guys ever had a weekend with no running water or a sewer that's backed up? If you guys go to Gravity Church long enough, trust me, there will be a Saturday night when the toilets will not work. I promise. I guarantee it. So if you're looking for a nice fancy schmancy building, God bless you. We love you anyway, but it's just the way it rolls in an old building like this. No joke, no joke. But we've got a snake, a big heavy-duty industrial snake. We'll, we'll show you how to use it. Don't worry. We'll make you feel right at home. These are silly examples of things that we in our life would never 
even think of doing without. They're just a part of what we do, and they're so important, and yet they're small and unseen. The point to this scripture that he's making is really this. Sometimes we minimize important things because we're not experiencing them in our life. And we settle for living without the things that we really, really need. Sometimes there are things in our life that are so critical and so important, but we don't know that they're there and we don't see them and we don't experience them. And so we, in our minds, so that we can feel better about ourselves, we just put these very important things aside and just go, it ain't that big a deal. I don't need a windshield in my car. My hair is fine. I don't need to worry about that. I'll just... We think about things that are so important and yet they're critical to our life. And he's talking about this when he's talking about the body of Christ. He's talking about things that you have to have and yet we don't. Sometimes we do without them. Have any of you guys here seen the movie Soul Surfer? You guys seen the movie about the, the girl... She's the professional surfer. Her name's Bethany Dillon, I think. And um, it's an amazing true story. She goes surfing. She's a professional. I think she was winning championships or something. And wouldn't you know it, she gets bit by a shark. And out surfing, she loses one of her arms. I mean, it is like they did a really good job with this movie. It's like Hollywood, you know, real special effects and everything. And you're just looking at this poor teenage girl who has her whole life ahead of her and who is on the trajectory to be one of the world's best female surfers and her whole career is wiped out in a freak accident. And this story shows her emotions and her self-esteem and her going through all of the impact of how do I move on past this? How do I get beyond this? How do I keep on going on with life? And eventually, I don't want to give the whole story away, but eventually, because of the encouragement of her dad, he encourages her to get back on her surfboard. And he actually builds her a special surfboard with a handle in the middle so that she can stabilize herself and she can get up and catch waves on one, with one hand because you're trying to paddle with one hand and you're trying to get up. It's, it's awkward and it's a very inspirational story. But the point is, is that this girl suffered something that she had to learn to live without and it was potentially going to change everything and she didn't. She didn't stop living. She kept on going and she kept on experiencing life and everything that it has. In the Bible, in Romans chapter 12, there's another scripture that talks about this analogy or this picture of being a body. And it says, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Think about those words. We all belong to each other. I'm going to say it again. We all belong to each other. In a, in, in a culture like you and I live in, this is completely out of place. We live in a culture that values individuality 
Don't tell me what to do. It's my business and it's my freedom to do what I want. I am a lover of freedom. Next, in a week, a little over a week, the 4th of July is my absolute favorite holiday of the year. You get to blow things up and it's just amazing. I love the 4th of July to celebrate freedom. And I believe in freedom with all of my heart. But Jesus says that when he came, he brought us together. And he brought us together into a family. And he brought us together and connected us. He didn't leave us loose. He brought us together and he connected us. And this scripture says that it's more than just a connection. It's actually being, being in a relationship where you look at each other as I am you and you are me. We belong to each other. We belong to each other. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says these words. It says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ. Christ is the head of his body, the church. And he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. It says we fit together perfectly. It says that Christ, our Savior, is the head of the church. And he has orchestrated it so that every part of his body fits together perfectly. And then look at what it says. It says when each of us, each of us does our part, we help the other parts to grow. It says that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. How many of you have ever experienced in the church world an attitude of separatism? When you go to a certain church and you walk in the doors, you're instantly met with an attitude that says, you have found the right place to be and everywhere else is wrong. Come here and let us fix you. Come here and be a part of what we're doing here because we've got it figured out. We finally tapped in to the missing mystery of the church and we've got it right, right here. All 150 of us, we got it nailed. So come, be a part of us. Has anybody ever experienced those unspoken attitudes? I have. What those attitudes really say is I am not acting as a critical part of the body of Christ. I am not acting as a member that is fit perfectly together with the whole body of Christ. And I am not acting as one of those members that is helping the other parts to grow. See, Scripture makes it clear that we belong to each other and that Jesus has masterfully orchestrated his body to fit together perfectly. And there is nowhere in Scripture that I have seen that he breaks us into small little parts all over Lodi and says, okay, I'm going to have 87 little pieces of my body all doing their own little thing individually. 
It's not biblical. Jesus says, I have one body and I have one spirit and that spirit lives in all of you and you are all one. Now, right now, you're acting like a bunch of children on the place, playground and you don't want to share your toys, but we'll deal with that. Right now, we got to get first things first. But scripture shows us that we're interconnected. That we're interconnected with each other. What is interconnectedness? It really is this understanding that we need what each other has. That we need what other churches have. That I need what you have. This picture that in and of ourselves we are not whole. This picture that in and of ourselves we are incomplete. This picture that if I don't connect with something bigger than me, I am missing something critical in my life. Now let's take this to where we live. Obviously, if any of you have ever been involved in the church world at all, you have seen this played out in some capacity, and you have seen the effects of it. And there are critical things that local church bodies need so desperately, but they have minimized them and learned to live without them. They think like this, well, I don't really have that here, so I must not need that, whatever it may be. And we minimize the important things that we so desperately need. Just like Bethany Dillon surfing with one arm, we have to learn to compensate for something that we're missing in our life. About two years ago, we started Saturday Night Church almost two years ago. And one of the first things that we felt that God was putting on our heart was that we were to be creating an environment that was open to everybody. That meant that if you're here tonight and you have never been to church before, if you're here tonight and you don't believe in God, if you're here tonight and you have personal struggles with religion in general, or you have addictions that you're working through, or you have problems with the law, or you have problems with your identity, or you have problems just in general in life, you should feel very safe and comfortable here because you're loved here and you're welcomed here and we created this place just for you. But there was another thing that God spoke to us. And the other part of this was that God said, I want this to be a place that connects my body together. And what that meant to us was that this needed to be an open environment to people from other churches, people from other ministries, people from other places that are working with, with charities and nonprofits, that this needed to be a place where anybody could come no matter what. We didn't know what to do with that. We didn't really know how to proceed with that. But we knew that God had spoken to us. And so we started to walk down a road. The road kind of looks like this. One day, Vince comes through the doors of Gravity Church. Vince comes to me and he says, Jason, I'm here. I believe in what God is calling us to. I believe in the ministry of Gravity. 
But there's more for me to do than just a church service. My heart is bigger than just the walls of a building. I need to be out and I need to do more. And so God brings a a relationship together. We meet some guys that have a thrift store downtown. Unity Project, the community thrift store. And Vince finds a safe place for him to begin to express the desires of his heart in ministry. He begins to feed people. He begins to work with people day in and day out. He begins to provide clothing for people. And the very special part of Vince's heart, the way God made him to operate within the body of Christ, now is starting to function correctly because Vince is connected with a place that allows him to fill his role in the body. We have Gravity Church who hears this and who feels this and who understands that God's wanting us to do something that creates this place for churches to connect. And so we get an idea. We had kind of dabbled with it a little bit, but we decided we wanted to take it even further. And so we began praying about the idea of letting other churches use this facility. Let them come in. Let them rent the place. But let's not treat them like they're a tenant. Let's not treat them like we're a landlord and that they've got to clean up after themselves and make it seem like they've never been here. We want them to use this building as if they own it. When they're here and it's their services, we want their people to come in and see no sign of any other church. This is their house and they get to worship God the way they feel and the way that they can relate to their culture. And so they begin to come. They begin to use. We have three other churches in in addition to us. There's four church congregations that call this building home. Well, in the midst of this, we develop a relationship with a church called Reality. Reality Church is a church that comes in from Stockton and they have a huge vision to see the Central Valley transformed for Jesus. They want to see Jesus famous in the Central Valley. One day they come and they call me and they say, hey man, we got a problem. We just lost our lease in Stockton. We've got a building and we've got a facility that we've been worshiping at. We just lost the lease. We got to leave. We got to find a new place to worship. The next morning I get a phone call. Actually, I get an email from a pastor in Stockton. His name is Pastor Lance. He's from the Life Church, TLC. Pastor Lance emails me and says, Jason, I just wanted you to know that God just opened up a door for our church to be able to move into a brand new facility that we're going to be able to operate out of. But the problem is, is that we just got done renovating this other facility and we don't need it anymore. It's all turnkey, ready to go. If you know anybody that needs a church building to rent, let me know. It wasn't even four hours later and they were shaking hands and working out a deal with Reality Church. And that's their new location in Stockton on Hammer Lane. One night we're here at church and I see a familiar face come walking in. I knew this guy because years and years ago when I was a youth pastor in this very building, him and his brother were in my youth group. They were skater kids, man. They came in, you know, the times were a little different. We looked a little different when we skated back then. 
But they were just skater kids, and he came every week, and we connected with him a little bit. But my wife and I moved out of the area, and we lost track of Nick. But one night, Nick and Crystal come walking in the doors, and we connect again. I say, Nick, Crystal, what are you guys doing? They tell me that they've been going to Bethel Church here in Lodi, and they've been working as volunteers with their high schoolers. They've been working there for a few years, and they just love it. They love the youth. They love the, the connection with the, the kids there. And I'm just like, man, that is so amazing. And Nick tells me what God's done in his life over the last several years, and it was just a great reconnection. A few months later, Nick and Crystal are still coming around. And we're like, what are you doing here, man? I thought you'd go to Bethel Church. And they're just like, something's happening, and we feel connected here. And I'm like, well, we've got some high schoolers that need somebody to talk to. Are you interested in making yourself available for them. I said, absolutely. They went and talked to Bethel Church and talked to the pastor and the youth pastor, and they said, hey, we've got all these resources. We've got a library of books. Whatever you need, we'll let you guys have. Just amazing to see how things are starting to progress. So another day, a guy named Tim Geyer comes walking in, and there's this, this guy who has an amazing testimony, has an amazing story, of somebody who's been wrecked by the love of Jesus. A transformation story. And Tim has a heart for hurting people. Tim has a heart for food ministry. He wants to see people that are hungry get fed. And so he's, we're, we're doing it here. We're, we're taking donations and we're getting boxes and we're going out in the neighborhoods, knocking on doors. We're feeding people. We're just, we know that we're supposed to do more than what we're doing right in this building and Tim's at the forefront, and he's just, he's passionate about it. And one day, God builds a relationship with another organization called His Place. His Place is a food distribution center. It's not just, let's take a box to a few people that are hungry. This is a huge building, a metal building, a warehouse that is already perfectly set up and zoned to be able to house thousands and thousands of pounds of food at a time to be able to organize it and sort it and mobilize it throughout all the churches in Lodi. To be able to use the gifts that God has given to Tim within the body of Christ so that the body grows and becomes healthy and functions. So one day, Tim tells me about a friend of his. It's another Tim. His name's Tim Steele. He tells me about his friend, Tim Steele, who's going through a really hard time, and he's going through some situations that he really needs support. And so they connect, and we begin praying for Tim Steele. Tim Steele goes to Century Church. Tim Steele works with kids at Century Church, and he's connected and plugged in over there. Through a little bit of time and through a little bit of relationship building, Tim Steele begins hanging out around here a little bit and connecting with us. And Tim Steele ends up actually moving into our facility here and working with guys, developing things, helping us do what we do. But the most beautiful thing about it is that Tim, every Wednesday night, goes to Century Assembly and works with their kids and their Royal Rangers over there. Because the body is now starting to function. It's connected. We belong to it together. Jesus has made us fit perfectly together. So another day, Vince comes and tells me, Jason, I just met somebody. You've got to meet this guy. His name's Pastor Frank. You're going to love him. He's just like us. And I'm like, oh, crap, just like us. Okay, let's go and see what this is all about. 
So we go meet Pastor Frank from Inner City Action. Pastor Frank is halfway in between Stockton and Lodi, right off the freeway. And this guy has a passion for ministering to hurting people. And they go into Stockton, into the parks, and to Southside, and do all this stuff, and they're just doing amazing ministry. But the part of it that just caught my attention is he says, Jason, we've got housing for people that have nowhere to go. We've got rooms that we can put people in, and we can minister to them, we can give them a place to stay. I'm like, man, this is amazing. Before the conversation was over, I had to tell Pastor Frank about a friend of ours named Jeff. Because that week, we had just met Jeff. Jeff had come through the doors. He was invited by another friend here at Gravity, Amy. And Jeff had just opened his heart up to God and had just said, I want Jesus in my life. But Jeff had nowhere to live. He had nowhere to go. He was couch hopping. And he didn't want to go back to the place that he used to live because it was violent and there was drugs. And, well, and he got shot on the way out, so I don't blame him for wanting to go back over there. But... Jeff needed a place to go, and within three hours, Jeff was going to Pastor Frank's place at Inner City Action and calling his new place home. The body of Christ is starting to move. It's starting to connect. It's starting to become one. We begin to understand this dynamic of inviting churches into this building on Saturday nights and letting them help us do what we do. We invite Calvary Bible Church. Pastor Steve, Pastor Jeff, they come in, they start sharing their gifts with us. They lead us in worship. Pastor Steve has taught us before, and they start to really understand the diversity of the body of Christ. And one day I get a phone call. Pastor Steve says, hey man, we've got a men's retreat that we're going on, and I've got three sponsored paid spots if you've got any guys that need to go away to men's retreat. And within a few hours, we had three guys on their way up to an amazing life-changing weekend where God did some strategic things in their hearts because the body of Christ is starting to function. We've had other churches here. We've had New, Ch- New Hope Church. You guys know Pastor Dave and, and Brooke from New Hope Church, their worship team here. They've come and led us in worship. Pastor Dave has taught before for me when I'm gone. They've had our ladies go to, the, to events over there. They've connected with us and they've seen what we're doing and we have seen what they're doing and this body is starting to connect. We had a baptism not too long ago in the wintertime and those of you that know, summertime is our, our great baptism time. We love to do the baptism outdoors in the front where it's nice and warm and, and just have a great day. But we had people that wanted to get baptized and it was cold outside. So I called Horizon Church in Galt and I said, do you guys have access to anything that we can use? And they're like, no problem. And Pastor Kevin's like, we got a portable baptism for you. I'll come. You can set it up. You can pick it up. Whatever you need to do, we'll make it happen. The body of Christ starting to function. Mars Hill Church in Galt has been in here several times, leading us in worship, helping us in, in things that we need. They've got these inflatables that they've let us borrow. All of these things are because the body is starting to come together. The 180 Teen Center right over here in Lodi, an amazing nonprofit that's working with at-risk kids day in and day out. They've got a heart for counseling kids that are broken, and they've offered their counseling services to us. They're working, understanding that together we can do what God's called us to do, but individually we can't. We have to come together. And one of the most amazing experiences that we've ever seen has been church in the park. Every Tuesday night, no matter where you're at, at 6 o'clock you need to go to Lawrence Park. 
You need to go down there and you need to experience what God is doing with his church, with all of the diversity, with all of the different body members moving together and acting as one. If you go down there on a Tuesday night, you will see that there's not just people from Gravity, but there's people from Bethel Church. There's people from Westside Assembly. There's people from all kinds of churches in Lodi that have all committed to bringing church to people that normally would never experience it. When we look at this up here, we see names, we see organizations, we see connectedness, we see things happening. We see how the different things are connected and yet they're still unique. The lifeblood of the body of Christ is Jesus. And as he begins to flow through us, and as he begins to allow us to do what he has created us to do, the last thing in the world that he wants is for us all to look the same. Many times, we can't understand how we can be one and not be the same. How can we truly be connected when maybe we pick up the Bible and we don't believe it the same? How is it that we can, that we can do this because it seems so hard? When we first started inviting churches to come into this building and share the space with us, I had some really wise people give me some advice. They basically told me, it's not worth the hassle. It's not worth the problems it's going to bring, Jason. It's going to be more problems than good, and it's not worth it. Don't even go down that road. They told me things like this. You know, when you come in, Jason, you're going to find that your sound system doesn't work because, well, there's four churches using it, and you left it this way, but now it's over there. And they were right. They told me things like, you know, you're going to have the place clean and spotless, and you're going to have your people vacuum and clean it all up, and everything's going to look good, and you're going to come in ready for church, and somebody didn't flush the toilets with number two. They were right. They told us, you're going to find things broken all over the place, and you're never going to know who did it. You're going to have utility bills that are going to skyrocket. You're going to have all of this chaos and different things. And they were right. But I have to tell you that a year and a half into this thing, I have experienced a dynamic of seeing the body of Christ come together in a way that I never dreamed was possible. I see pastors who have theological differences that are as far away as, as Central Avenue and Turner Road. They read the Bible and this guy says it's tomato and this guy says it's tomato and they do not see eye to eye. And yet, I've seen something bigger than their theology bridge them together as brothers. And I've seen them work together and I've seen them share each other's load and I've seen them begin to care for one another and I've seen the body of Christ beginning to come alive and function in the city of Lodi. So if you were to ask me now, Jason, is it worth it? Is it worth the problems? Is it worth the hassles? I'd say absolutely. Because this place right here that we're experiencing, hear me. 
This is a place that God is doing experiments on us. You're all lab rats tonight, okay? I am one too. God has been experimenting with our hearts and showing us something bigger than just a little church. He's showing us a kingdom, and he's showing us that he's the king of his kingdom, and that he is getting ready to do something in the Central Valley that we've never seen before. And it starts well beyond Gaul, and it ends well beyond Stockton. And every single day, I'm getting more and more of an awareness and a picture in my mind of what God is wanting to do. And it's big, and we all get to play a part of it. But the bottom line is this. You and I have to come to a place to where we believe this, we understand this, and we live by this. And what I'm saying is that I am not complete without you in my life. I'm not complete without you. I do not have what it takes to experience God the way that I want to without your gifts. I do not have what it takes without the gifts of Century Assembly, without the gifts of Calvary Bible Church and Reality Church and Victory Outreach Church. I do not have what it takes to experience the fullness of the love of God without the body coming together and functioning as it should because we belong to each other. We belong to each other. So those of you here tonight that call yourself a follower of Jesus, you need to begin to pray and ask God, God, I want to be a part of this. Show me how I fit. And those of you that are here tonight that have come in seeking something in your life, looking for something, looking for satisfaction or hope or relief from whatever it is that's hurting you right now. I wish that I could help you with all of the problems that you face. I wish that I could make it go away. I wish I could fix you. I wish I could just give you a little magic Jesus pill and it would just make your life all better, but I can't. But what I can give you is the same thing that I have. I have hope when I feel hopeless. I have faith when I feel like I can't go on. When I'm weak, I feel God's strength in my life. I feel like the lies that I have bought into so easily in this world have been re replaced with the truth of him. And if you were to ask me if my life is worry-free or problem-free, I would tell you absolutely not. If you tell me, ask me, am I satisfied? I am satisfied. Way down deep inside, I've stopped looking. I've stopped looking for this and for this and chasing after this and chasing after this. And I'm a guy that lived my whole life chasing after things. Jesus has satisfied me to a deep, deep place that the search is over. I found what I'm looking for. And what you're looking for tonight is him. You're not looking for a church. You're not looking for a new way. You're not looking for a book or a relationship or amount of money. Or for, you're looking for him. And he will satisfy you if you ask him. If you open your heart up to him, he will satisfy you. Let me pray for you. God, right now I pray for every heart, every person that's here. Lord, I pray that you would show them who you are right now. God, I pray that you would let them see you, Jesus. I pray that you would let them get a glimpse of the beauty that you have. 
Lord, I pray that you would let them feel the openness that you have for them and the love that you have for them in spite of who they think that they are. God, in a nutshell, I pray that you would invade their space. I pray that you would come and I pray that you would do what only you can do, Lord. You've been listening to GravityChurch.com. 